Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We've got Vinny Duber. Our CHGO White Sox beat writer on the far left. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckerwall23. We got Kevin Wells producing us today. KPW's in the chat. And he's the brand new owner of a top seven third baseman jersey. He wow. just got a, a South Side Yohan Moncada jersey. His awesome. first, uh, his first non-Blue Jays jersey. My man's. Yeah, so he's uh, he's joining the club and uh, changing the game. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Aloy Jimenez. He spoke to the media and Vinny today. Uh, <laughs> he's part of. The does media. that make me not the media? I don't know, mm. but it's like I want to just single you so off because you're more important. Sure. Vinny yeah, just, and the media. Yeah, Vinny and the like, media. They're going on tour this yeah, year. Yeah, like Tom Petty and the, the Heartbreakers. Vinny and the media. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and what's up, Josh? Uh, we're also we'll talk about Aloy playing left field uh, or I guess right field, uh, and then we'll open up the CHGO diehard mailbag, and it'll be a fun little show here. Uh, so, how is Aloy? What's he doing? What's he up to? Is he ready for the World Baseball Classic? Was that brought up? Yeah, he's excited. He's excited to wear that uh, Dominican Republic jersey, uh, uh, you know, with the his country's name on the chest. Like we talked about last week, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, these guys care. You might you might want to you might want to be like, oh, don't get hurt. You're not playing for my team. Don't get hurt, kind of thing. These guys care. They care a lot about this, and so I think they should be uh, allowed to enjoy that uh, uh, very unique moment for them uh, that that doesn't come around very often, especially in a sport where the international competition is not quite as high profile as say soccer or a lot of the sports that might have uh, uh you know olympic moments something like that baseball uh doesn't really get a lot of that so these guys get to do that and, and it matters to them so that's cool um otherwise he's he's regular old eloy he started off with a big wave and a big smile wished everybody happy nice. new year uh he's the same old guy uh as as always as we'll get into yes <laughs> You, uh, well, you didn't talk to Aloy today. I did not. You, you didn't. <laughs> I could have um, called him, though. Well, I think the big thing from Aloy is him <laughs> wanting to play the outfield. Uh, I think it's an interesting discussion, so let's get into that. Uh, the question is from Coach Ken Maiden. Uh, and then Mike Maiden. Mike Maiden. Yes. Coach Ken. My bad. Don't know. Uh, uh, no. Uh, I guess it's from Coach. Uh, and he asks Aloy Jimenez about wanting to play the outfield in 2023. I know it's your desire to play outfield, but if you were – Ask to DH, which you and spend most of your time DH, which you embrace that role as DH. Uh, I don't know because, like I say early uh, last year, because I was DHing more than outfield, it was because I got surgery, and uh, and I understand that. Uh, but this year I've been working really hard to play in the outfield more than the age. So uh, I, don't, I don't really think uh, that I'm going to accept it because if I'm working hard, it's because I want to get better and I want to play in the outfield. I mean, a beautiful background. I got to give it to him. I mean, that's one of the better White Sox Zoom backgrounds that, that we've seen. I mean, it just looks Tropical, breezy, nice. Uh, but Aloy advocating for his ability to play the outfield. Are you buying into it, Herb? Was it just the surgery and the recovery in 2022 that hampered his ability? 
and I understand what Eloy's saying about his wanting to play the outfield. He probably is uh, thinking, like, he goes to DH. He's too young of a man to do that. And he's not acclimated to doing that. But I had three reasons against him playing the outfield, specifically right field. He already said that Andrew Benintendi is pretty much going to be the left fielder, the everyday guy. We've already seen Aloy get hurt numerous times being a left fielder. Time where he got his foot stuck underneath the, uh, the padding. He had a sprained ankle. The time where he ran into Charlie Tilson. The time where he was into the net, even though he didn't get hurt, still ran into the net. And the other injuries have been mostly like celebrating Lucas Giolito's no-hitter, getting hurt, sliding at home, I think, or running the bases in Cleveland. He was out for the playoffs in 2020, came back for that one double for the game three and had to be taken out. But the main reason is he gets hurt a lot in the outfield. The second reason is right field is much harder than left field. Remember, first to third throws. He doesn't have a premium arm. He does not have a right fielder's arm. I went to check it out on Sean's favorite website, uh, Baseball Savant, Mm -hmm. 13th percentile in arm strength. That's not a right fielder's arm. Not at all. So that will not fly with me. And third thing, his most valuable thing for the White Sox is his bat. He needs to just be in the lineup. And I understand being, like, stubborn, and that's sometimes a good thing to be stubborn, to ask for what you want in life. And that's good that Eloy is asking for that, but it's up to Pedro Gafal, it's up to Kenny Williams, it's up to Rick Hahn, and all the rest of the people to save him from himself. His most valuable thing is his bat. And taking that away from him, or taking a – that away from Him, the yeah, from the White Sox doesn't do anybody any good. So just accept what you did last year because you thrived as a designated hitter last year. The numbers say so, and I got it. He doesn't want to do that, but sometimes you have to go against what the player wants to make it better for the whole organization. So I hope Pedro and Rick talk to him and say, hey, man, I got it, but your best option is to play DH. 75% of the time, because where else are you going to find these at-bats? Because if he's not playing left field, that right field is going to be tough to, for Aloy Jimenez to be out there all the time. I'm, I'm not surprised by what we heard from Aloy today. This is the same thing that Aloy has been saying every day since he started getting a reputation as someone who should not be playing the outfield, right? Um, it, at the end of the day, he's not the world's worst defensive outfielder no. you could do a lot worse than him and the White Sox did last year mm-hmm. um the, the problem is Herb what you brought up the, the the injury history and and the fact that those injuries have stemmed directly from him playing the outfield or what he was doing when he was out there playing the outfield um it's it's not a surprise though that we're hearing this from Aloy he wants to be a, an all-around player and and he believes that he uh he, he is better offensively when he is playing a defensive position um Give the guy, give the guy props for wanting to get better. Give the guy props for believing in himself and 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 banking on, uh, you know, being a confident uh, athlete. Give give the guy credit for that. It's it's a surprise is why we're still talking about why we're still talking about this. It's not a surprise that he's still talking about it. It's a surprise that we are because w- what did what did the White Sox learn last year? Then you know what I mean. If if Aloy Jimenez is not your everyday DH, why? Because last year, it, up until last year, 
there was a very valid argument to be made for Aloy staying in the field because, hey, if he's going to hit like that, but only when he plays left field, well, then let him play left field because he's going to hit like that. Last year, I, I thought we all learned that that's no longer the case, that Aloy Jimenez can DH on a very regular basis and can have success doing it. Um, the White Sox seem to be saying that there's no way he's going to play left because Andrew Benintendi's out there. They seem to be saying Oscar Colas is going to have first crack at this everyday right fielder's job. So at the end of the day, this all might mean nothing. And it might just be that Aloy Jimenez is the DH most of the time, if not the vast majority of the time. But if Oscar Colas has a bad spring, right. who's who's the everyday right fielder? Is it Aloy Jimenez? I, I don't want to answer that question. It, it might be. It and, and I'm curious. I'm cu- <laughs> You know, it just I, I don't think this so, brings up as much of a thing of like, oh, my God, I can't believe Aloy thinks this kind of thing. Like, yeah, of course he thinks this. He believes in himself. Of course he thinks this. It, what it brings up to me is what is plan A, B, C, and D for the White Sox right now? And is plan B Aloy Jimenez playing right field every day or on a, on a very regular basis? Pedro Grafal just told the score the other day that Aloy is going to be playing right field once or twice a week. Yeah, I wanted to bring the, that quotes up. So uh, while certainly Oscar Colas is going to be given every opportunity to see if he can become our right fielder on a daily basis, um, I'm excited to see Aloy in right field. I'm not talking about seeing him there every day, but I'm talking about seeing him there a day or two a week if possible and keeping him athletic and keeping him working on the defensive side because I know that helps the offensive side as well. And that's what he told you, but I even did like one to two appearances a week. That's about like one and a half over, what I think, 28 weeks. It's like 42 appearances in right field. Like where where's the right field coming from? Well, That's coming out of left field. And I think I I, I, <laughs> I think you. less than like less than like the idea being that, oh my god, Aloy is the worst defender in the world and there's no way that this could work, right? Like, of course there's a way it works. Yeah. He just plays out there a little bit more conservatively and doesn't get hurt and it's fine. But th- my question is so the White Sox then mean that means they're going into a championship season in their minds, right? Where they don't really have ADH. They've got mm-hmm. Aloy. They want to make sure that yeah, Yasmani Grandal can play. Uh, uh, you know when he's not catching. Gavin Sheets. Gavin here. Sheets yeah. is part of this somehow. Like, are we doing the timeshare thing again? Is that what the White Sox are saying? Um, in both at both designated hitter and in right field, because obviously Gavin Sheets can play some right field too if needed. Um, it's interesting to me, just because it, it's like I said, it's less about it's less about what everybody freaked out today, which was. Oh my God, Aloy defense bad. Oh no, and more about. So what's the plan, and what what does this look like? Because if you're if you're going to be okay with quote unquote risking Aloy's health by putting him in right field two games a week, that means that Yasmani Grandal's health is in a way where you're only comfortable with him catching, let's say four or five times a week. You know, and again, that's pretty normal. But st- like, I, I'm just I'm. It, wasn't there another? Wasn't there another guy you could have gone and got then? Right. Or, or, yes. or yeah. the 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 safety net to Oscar Colas not working is just Gavin Sheets again. The guys that you already have, right? Right. It's just, it seems to be right now the plan is Oscar Colas will be like the can win to be the starter, but it's like the plan is still right now Colas Sheets and Garcia in some fashion. Whether it's Sheets and Colas splitting time, whether it's Colas playing seventy five percent more, or you know whatever, and Garcia getting some rotation out there, but 
I mean, plan B, it seems like if one of those people goes down, it seems like Aloy has to step up or one of these fourth outfielders. But we've even talked about like the weirdness of, you know, how the 13 batters might shape out. And will it be Jake Marisnik? Will it be Billy Hamilton? And then can you even play Billy Hamilton if someone gets hurt? you know, three days a week with his bat. Well, I said when Pedro Grifol brought this up earlier this month when Andrew Benintendi was introduced, which is you, you flexibility is not a bad thing. And and making sure that Aloy is able, not, not necessarily great at, but just able to play left field and right field in the event of an injury is a good thing. Because if Andrew Benintendi gets hurt, just a regular baseball injury, he's going to spend 10 days on the IL, right? What's better for your lineup if you're the White Sox? having both Aloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal in it every day or having Aloy Jimenez only be, a, uh, you know, soaking up that DH spot every day and you got to play, you know, Victor Reyes or Jake Marisnik, you know, eight out of the next 10 games. Like, to me, that doesn't – you're way better off playing Aloy in the outfield in, the, in that case. Don't complain about that. The thing that's weird is, is there is, – is the plan that they've come up with the best one? Is, is it one that they could have avoided by adding another bat? Is it, you know, it, I, I think Aloy Jimenez is going to be in the lineup every single day, and they can move him around within reason to to make sure that they have the best lineup on a daily basis. But how often is he going to be out in the outfield, and is that going to just be the same conversation we've been having for four years where it's that's more detrimental to the team than him not being out there. Right, and I want to get to the Super Chat real quick, and then uh, we'll let you cook, Herb. Um, I see you want to say something. Uh, Steve, Stephen Bardo saying, uh, with the Prove It video from the Sox, they said Romy and Colas are the Sox second and right field starters. I get them missing Abreu back, and Yo needs to step up. I don't know if that's what they're saying. Um, Romy Gonzalez it, prominently featured, certainly. Interesting. Yeah. interesting that they talk about how last year was bad, so they put uh, two of the five guys that weren't on the team. Uh, I mean, Romy Gonzalez had, like, what, like, 40 plate appearances? Um, like, I mean, like, the reason why 2022 wasn't bad because of Romy Gonzalez and Oscar Colas. Like, I, I, I don't know about that. Uh, that was a very odd hype video. Yeah. When I'm thinking about if Oscar Colas makes this team and how you're going to get Aloy these at-bats in right field because the four teams in your division barely have left-handers. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez, I know, plays. Bubich plays for the Royals. Twins, I don't see one. And then also uh, with... Bailey uh, Ober, I think, is I think he's right-handed. Um, and then the Guardians, I don't think, right. have yeah, a right-hand... Any left-handers in their um, rotation. So that's 48 games right there where you're going to get, for the most part, only like two regular MLB starters in your division. Where's Aloy going to get those at-bats? Because uh, Oscar Colas, who you would say, hey, you'll, t- you'll take him out when there's a lefty on the bump. Cool. So where's Aloy getting these at-bats there? And then secondly, I just, the arm's not good, the jump's not good, and you're going to a different place on the field where the ball slices different. Most of the hitters in Major League Baseball are right-handed, and if they're going to hit the ball inside-out spin, it's going to be a different spin for Aloy than he's used to in in left field. So it's all these things that he's got to get ready for in spring training if he's going to start playing this uh, in the regular season. And like Vinny said, he's going to be probably playing the World Baseball Classic somewhere on the field somewhere. I don't necessarily want him to, but it's, it's his country. I don't have a qualm about playing for your country and doing all you can to bring home a World Baseball Classic championship. But when it comes to the team, Aloy, I think if we're doing the hierarchy of who's the most important of the hitters, 
Aloy's one or two. Him being healthy drives this offense to the next level. So him actually staying healthy and taking the risk down. I know you, he's got hurt running the base. He's got hurt doing dumb stuff where he's just celebrating. Just take that right. risk down. There was Bring like, it down. I, and that was a thing. Like you, you talked to think about toning down his aggressiveness in, in right field. Like m- maybe that's something like just, you know, make the easy plays, the simple plays. But like that was my immediate head. It just goes to the misplays and the blooper reel that he has. Like, you know, going into the net and allowing an inside the park home run to Christian Yelich. Uh, trying to just make a routine play in foul territory in Detroit and just stumbling and then tripping over again into the net. Like, I have a feeling that he might misjudge a ball, think that he could get to it. You know, it hits off his glove. That ball's now in play. He ends up in the net and there's another inside the park home run. He hurt himself trying to make another play that, you know, was just unnecessary in spring training. Like, if he's going to be playing in the outfield, I don't even know if I want to see him in spring training in the outfield. Like, save that all for the regular season just so he doesn't get hurt, you know, doing something that's you know, doesn't really count. Like, right field is a much more difficult spot to play, absolutely. I don't understand why Andrew Penitenti being signed now means Aloy's going to play a more difficult position in right field. Just keep him at the DH. We can be nauseating about all the stats of his 84 games that he played you know, now being the full-time DH and how great he was. Um, but I think just again, like your point is, I think the most poignant, like what's the plan? Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. Cause like Adam Duvall was around and we look at the Andrew Benatendi contract and it was uh, more backloaded than front-loaded. I, I think he was only making about 11 million this year compared to the AAV, which is 15. Um, you know, he'll make around like, you know, I think like 16 or 17 or 18 in, in some of the later years. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't been more aggressive in adding, and they've gotten some minor pieces like Victor Reyes and Marisnik and Billy Hamilton, but nothing to actually fill a hole. Well, and I'll, I'll say this too, and this again goes, you know, finding a, a, a question or a concern away from the obvious one. Aloy says that last year he DH'd regularly because he was hurt mm-hmm. and that he got that. What is an what does Aloy look like? What is Aloy feeling? What is he, what is his mental process if he DHs regularly and it's not because of his health? You you're gonna have you're gonna have if you're the White Sox if, if the best case scenario that every fan is is laying out here where he plays DH 150 times right, you're gonna have a DH who doesn't want to do it. You can have a DH who does not want to DH. And it doesn't mean he's going to hit zero home runs, but does that have an impact on the numbers that you think you're going to get from him? Because all of a sudden it's not, I'm going to do what I can even though my body's holding me back. I, this is the thing that I can do, so I'm going to do this to the best of my ability versus, oh, man, I didn't, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm doing something that is not me, that is not the best version of me, even though I'm 100% healthy and I've been working so hard and they won't let me do it. Now what does that become? Does he does it go back to does it go back to oh now he can't DH all of a sudden the offense the the lack of defense is hurting the offense. Um you know, we we listened to we listened to Jose Abreu for years tell us how hard it was to DH, how much he didn't like DHing. And he did it and he was good at it, but he didn't like doing it. He's a very um He's the pinnacle of professionalism, right? I don't know if you can hold every player or any player to that same standard that you can hold Jose Abreu to. What does the 
the mental part of the game look like for Aloy Jimenez if he's playing DH and it's not because of his body forcing him to do so? But also, like, what if he's playing, you know, just this first month at DH and he's having a lot of success? Like, right. what, what, like too, like, what if it just is a role that he can go into? Because I think part of it was 2019, he had 34 play appearances as, as a DH. 2020, only four played appearances. 2021, 77. And then 2020, 210. So that's a lot of experience. I do wonder if that experience has made it a little bit easier to adjust and his way to runs created plus kind of align with that experience. 34 plate appearances in 2019, 60 way to runs created plus. Only four plate appearances in 2020, but just seeing minus 100 is funny. Uh, and then 2021 and 77 plate appearances, a uh, way to runs created plus is uh, 69. Uh, the 210 in 2022, a way to runs created plus of 138. Um, like, I, I don't know, like maybe that experience has made it easier for him to, to do that. And that's what I thought we all and found out this. last yeah. year. <laughs> um, and, and again, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to rip Aloy because I think Aloy should have the mindset of, I want to be the best at everything I can possibly be the best at. Don't fault the guy for working hard and wanting to get better. Um, but how's this going to work? But this seems like a, it seems like a White Sox front office problem. Like, I mean, they I either have to go sell, so far well, to call it a problem. It's just this is a question. All of a sudden, we're playing what if here, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like we shouldn't be. You know, I mean, I I feel like we should be able to look at it and say, okay, Aloy's their DH, Benintendi's their left fielder, Colas is their right fielder. Go get it. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's what we're doing right now. Now we're saying, well, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? How are they putting these puzzle pieces together? It, it's, I it strikes just me as the, all of a sudden there's some unknown that maybe doesn't need to be there. That's fair. I yeah. guess just with the injury past of especially 2022 and 2021 of this entire team, I guess we're always worried about the what if or what happens yeah. when. Um, because I, 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 I'm fine with the, the, the role. Like I'm fine that Ben Attendee's in left. I'm fine that Oscar Colas is in right. And I'm fine that... Aloy's the DH, and as long as Aloy's playing at DH, Vaughn's at first, Mankata's at third, uh, Anderson's at short, Roberts at center for 70% of the games, that's good for the White Sox. I think we're playing the what-if game because the White Sox are kind of playing the what-if game with the rest of their lineup. Man, if we can get Robert, do Robert things, we're going to be this. (laughs) Aloy, we got him, awesome. Timmy, back to being Timmy. They have a lot of ifs, ifs, ifs. And with your quote about or your uh, comment about Jose Abreu and how his professionalism, remember, I think you brought it up multiple times about how Rick Renteria went to him and it's like, hey, man, you're going to have to get better at first base if you want to stick here. And Jose did the work to get better at first base. That's partly why he won the MVP in 2020. So, yeah, Lloyd might be working hard. He might be doing all the good things. But it is up to Pedro Grafal. This is part of a manager's job. Probably the most important part of a manager's job is to put the team in the best position to win. And putting the best, the, putting the team in the best position to win, to me, seems like Aloy being the designated hitter. Hard feelings might be there, but if he gets 150 games at designated hitter, I know the numbers are going to show up. He might be pissed all his life. I don't give a damn, Aloy. Sometimes you got to tell the grown man, it's like, hey, man, the best thing for you and this team is for you not to get any extended play out in the outfield, especially not in right field, because that's a much tougher field, and you don't have the arm for it, brother. When Pedro told me their their number one job, their number one priority is keeping Aloy in the lineup. And so I, I think this goes somewhat hand-in-hand hand with that, which is, okay, well, we also got to keep Grandal in the lineup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Grandal's not going to catch every day. He's going to have to DH sometimes. 
if our job is to keep Aloy in the lineup, we're going to have to have them both in the lineup on days when Yaz isn't catching, right? And so this is their, uh, you know, their their bargain, their way to do that, right? Uh, their compromise, if you will. But you just said it: forty-five games in left in right field. How does that how does that work into keeping Aloy in the lineup? That's a yeah, lot. <laughs> and, and, and like <laughs> that's a lot. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, that is a lot. Uh, and you know what? This very well could turn out to just be off-season curiosity. You know what I mean? It could very well turn out that he's going to play a hundred and. 25 games as the DH. You hope so, but also, I guess my fear is just he actually does play in the outfield in spring training, and that's, you know, just right there. That's the end of the the whole storyline because Aloy gets hurt again. Um, but, I, I mean, at, at least I do think he's a good enough athlete, and I think that is why he is at least talking up his ability just because we have seen when he is healthy, and that, that maybe is the issue when he tries to go full 100%, his body just isn't able to hold up. I know Rakan will be uh, defending him that he's not injury prone, um, but... Uh, you do see the sprint speed being around 70 per to the 60 percentile. And last year it was around 25 percentile. That just shows like, hey, he was clearly nursing something. He was clearly just maintaining everything. And now that he could go back to 85 to 95 percent, maybe he'll be able to do it. He's definitely better than Andrew Vaughn. So he won't be as bad as what we saw last year. I just uh, am concerned about their ability to keep him healthy. He also did say something else interesting, but we're going to take a quick break uh, and, and uh, discuss it after the break. we got to let you know about Green Ridge Farm. They are a local Chicago meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of the all-natural deli meat sausages and their famous meat sticks that are perfect for tailgating, happy hour, and school lunches. And these all-natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours. They are delicious because they're they're made from recipes, generations in the making, and being all natural, they deliver a fresh and flavorful alternative at snack time. Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. Green Ridge Farm also makes fantastic mustards to pair with these meat sticks if you are a mustard connoisseur. If you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on, and you can always find them in the refrigeration refrigerated section at Costco, Sam's Club, or in your local Chicagoland grocery store. I always wave to the deli meats at, at my Jewel Osco. So right now when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. Also got to let you know about ComEd Lighting. Uh, they are the Comet Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses and communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills now into the future. Comet offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. And customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facilities, energy usage, and more. Incentives have recently increase for indoor outdoor lighting and network lighting controls making these projects even more cost effective than before so visit comed.com slash powering biz that's comed.com slash powering b-i-z and to start a project contact us at 1-855-433-2700 and for more information email business ee at comed.com or public sector ee at comed.com uh, Aloy also talked about the weirdness of Jose being gone um, and kind of the example that Jose has set and the fact that there might not be a leader yet. I don't, I'm not buying into that comment a ton, but I do think it's interesting because we've always heard that from baseball players that leaders kind of show themselves during the season. So I think it's just interesting that Aloy kind of feels that way right now. Yeah, well, and I'll read the whole, I'll read the whole answer that he gave just to, just to provide as much context as possible. They, 
he was asked, you know, is, is anyone else on this team going to step up uh, in the leadership department now that Jose Abreu is playing for the Astros? And uh, Aloy's answer, a long shrug, a long pause, <laughs> and he said, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. And then, again, you want to respect the language barrier here a little bit, but he said, if I tell you a name, I don't think I'm going to tell you because it's like that. I'm not going to lie. It's a hard, hard thing to maybe understand the entirety of his meaning there. I do think it is very important to realize that that question was framed around well, Jose Abreu. And maybe the answer is, I don't know if there's anybody else on this team who is capable of doing what Jose Abreu did. And that maybe speaks more to what Jose Abreu did than what anybody else on the team is doing or is capable of doing. Or maybe the gap that Jose has just left. Right. Like, you know, again, like maybe that leader has to show themselves. Uh, it's a prove it year and who's willing to sh prove it the most. Like who's going to be leading that charge? Is there going to be who's, someone who steps up? We don't know what this season's going to look like with Pedro Griffol. Is it going to be Andrew Benatendi? I mean, he's completely new to this clubhouse. He knows the manager. Maybe he's able to push that message a little bit more. I mean, I'm not buying into it, but it is just a storyline. Who is the leader? Who's oh, going to be the absolutely. leader? I think it's interesting. Absolutely, and I, that will be a huge storyline all year long. I think in res regard to this specific question and this specific answer, you've also got to remember that different people in the clubhouse have different leaders. Different parts of the team have different leaders. Lance Lynn is always talked about as the leader of the pitching staff, and uh, Aloy Jimenez might agree with that, you know, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that Lance Lynn is going to necessarily lead Aloy Jimenez. If you, if you right. are understanding what, uh, what I'm getting at there, different position groups have different leaders and then different people from different backgrounds have different leaders as well. Jose Abreu always had Yoan Moncada and Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert very much under his wing, very much following his every move. The, the American guys, respected the hell out of Jose Abreu, but they weren't necessarily following him around like those guys were. Um, and so different parts of the clubhouse and different parts of the roster have different leaders. There's different leaders for bullpen pitchers versus starting pitchers. And I think you maybe just got to remember that, you know, if some somebody describing who on the team is a leader doesn't mean they are the one leader. It means they are the leader to that person. And maybe there's maybe there's 15 different leaders, quote unquote leaders on a team because different guys would answer that question differently uh, depending on who you ask. And people are not necessarily like born leaders. They're sometimes develop into it. And so Oloy himself, uh, Luis, uh, Yoan, Luis, uh, Larry Garcia, all these guys need to find a new guy because since they came in leaks, sans Larry Garcia, that guy, Jose Abreu has been a constant. He's been showing you how to do exactly how he gets prepared for a game. And so they, that's all they've known since they stepped into a major league clubhouse. And so it probably is very hard to find a person that's like, okay, I'm going to take up for Jose Abreu. Tim seems like more of a quiet guy. Hey, I'm doing this. You want to follow me? Cool. If you don't, smooth. I'm, I'm, Tim, I'm not quiet. No? no? He's yelling? Chatterbox. Okay, is he is he talking to the? Yeah. I did a I did a I did a story on TA a few years ago where uh, I think it was Lucas Giolito who told me like uh, they can't imagine what it's like if he would ever stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Tim's the new guy. Maybe I think, they. Well, they but that's what I'm saying is like I think Tim's been a leader. I think he is a leader of this team. I just don't know if he is. Aloy Jimenez is leader, you know right. what I mean? Because Jose Abreu filled that role for four years for and him. I think it's a question, too. Like, is it Yasmani Grandal? Is it Leary Garcia because they're the most veteran? I mean, is it both of them? Is it 
you know, just kind of lead by example. And Luis he, Roberts, the best of them, and he's just going to show up, and you just got to match him each every and every day. It's going to be interesting. And what you were saying, like the language barrier. I know Lloyd speaks English pretty well, but from time to time when you're asking him a question, it's not – it doesn't translate the way he needs to or he wants to, and he asks Billy, he's like, what do you say? And he, he Billy asks, uh, tells him in Spanish what the meaning and the context of that was. I'm sure Jose did that a lot for them. And so, yes, Tim could be a leader, but can he explain things to Aloy and to Luis like Jose Abreu can? Of course not, because he doesn't speak the language as fluently as those guys did. So I don't know if a leader is necessary in an MLB clubhouse. Like, a, hey, I'm the guy. Follow my battle standard. But also... Losing a guy like Jose Abreu who can do it on the field and then show you how to do how to do what he did is probably pretty valuable. That's why, Sean, we were sad when Jose Abreu left. Because the leadership, because of the numbers, because of the the lofty goals that he has. Well, he's amazing he's an amazing person too. And I they mean, haven't yeah. filled that they haven't filled that role up yet. No, Sean. I, I I agree. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm calling him up. Hey, yeah, how we do this uh, first year Astros. I, I would be really upset if they spent $18 million on Jose Abreu, though. I mean, to match that contract to get him in on the south side, you would have had to pay him, what, three, 360 And MLB Network still no sees the top five uh, first baseman in the good, league. Good for them. What's it going to look like in 2024? I don't care about 2024. I care what about you, 2023. They're gonna, they're gonna, well, they're going to be paying him $18 million in 2024. They're going to be paying him $18 million in 2025. It's not, it's not my money. It's not in 2024, I think Jose Abreu, it's very possible, could be on the second of three straight World Series rings. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, and which I'm, is what we want. All the Astro fans are well, overjoyed with him. I guess we want Sox World Series champions. Before. Yeah, we don't want any be, be, be second. I, I mean, no, I want one none. for Jose. Nope. Oh, so I, I don't understand the importance of Jose Abreu, but I can't root for him to win a World Series title? No, he's an Astro. F him. He's gone. Wow. He's dead to me. All right. Wow, he, Herb. He, he, wow. Well, Herb, new Jose Abreu hater. Oh, I'm taking over Sean's role. <laughs> I never said anything no, I think like you're joining that. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't like Jose Abreu playing for the Astros, and I hate the Astros. It's weird. With the passion. It's a weird look. Uh, but he, he said it's all respect for the organization uh, over at the Astros fan uh, convention uh, uh, over the weekend. So, uh, I mean, it's all love for Jose for the city of Chicago. I don't know if he has his, to hate. Because he's going to get his number retired. He's going to get a statue after he hangs it up. That's, that's why he knows. He's well no reason to talk about badly about the front office because he knows that he'll have to deal with them later on when he goes and gets his uh, number retired. Oh, right. And a different front office just gave him $60 million. So, again, man. he's a happy man. Uh, let's just take a quick break here, and then we'll open up the Vaughn. CHGO diehard mailbag. Talk? Yeah. I mean, he is talk? he chatty? He's possible. It, he has the ability to speak. Okay. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to get Andrew, we used to do this thing uh, when I first started college radio. It was just like the idea of talking for a minute. If you had to get Andrew Vaughn to say something for a minute straight, what topic would you pick? I have absolutely no idea. Terrible walk-up songs, country music, <laughs> yeah. Con- yeah. country music. No, but I think you'd probably just be like, "Yeah, it's good, like it." <laughs> He's a man of few words. Listen to it, my dad. How does one? I would ask him. How does one person from NorCal become a country fan? I understand that California is a big time state, and you do get some uh, some necky places. But man, that music he plays for those walk up songs—literally, you could play "We Built This City" and it'd be much better than that song. Which is saying something. It is. What'd you say, Lawrence? Yeah, isn't it just all farmers? I mean, isn't my my idea is just well, Sacramento? Like, yeah, just like Illinois outside of the large metropolises and big cities. No, it's California like is mostly farm. Isn't that where Ronald Reagan came Except from? Except for the main cities. Yeah, 
So you drive from L.A. to San Francisco, you're just going to be like, ugh, what is this, Iowa? Anyways, uh, let's talk about Shady Rays. Uh, they never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they said I have to change it and look at sh- uh, Herb looking all uh, shady and cool. Sun uh, was out today for the first time in a long time. Yes, Finally. it was. Uh, you don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this winter because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. They are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone in every lifestyle. And, I mean, Herb, you can hold them in your hands. Are they high quality? They are very high quality. Are they good as any expensive pair that you've ever worn? Better. Oh, there you go. And that's why Shady Rays customers seem to agree with her. And they've given over 200,000 five-star reviews to Shady Rays, and Shady Rays stand behind their product and told their team that if anyone has a problem, they will throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. They offer free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay them to ship them back. They are high quality. Uh, You get the option to try them out. And you are supporting a great company because Shady Rays has provided 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. It's buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Josh wants me to spike them to see if they're durable. I would, but I don't want to spike them. Got to keep them nice. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, you, you, you I know I'll get replacement, but and, and, and they might. I mean, they might not. I mean, you got soft carpet. They might scuff, but they also just you know might not. I don't know. Like it's it's not worth it. Yeah. Um. Just keep them all fresh and new and clean. Uh. We also got to nice. let you know about something that is fresh and clean. Athletic Greens, our next partner, has a product I use literally every day. We started taking AG1s back when they launched with us on March 4th. They didn't launch their company, but they were a, a, an opening sponsor with yes, us. Uh, we've been taking them for about 11 months basically at this point uh, and it doesn't taste super healthy i've been on it now again for about 11 months and it has kind of mild tropical taste that i look forward to each and every morning and with one delicious scoop of ag1 i absorb 75 high quality minerals vitamins minerals uh minerals is a new word Put them together that I just created yeah uh whole foods or superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help me start my day right and this special blend of ingredients supports my gut health my nervous system my immune system my energy my ability to recover after these long podcast days and to focus on these long podcast days and also it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free and it costs less than three dollars a day you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habits right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's open up the CHGO mailbag and if you do want to become a diehard check out allchgo.com when you sign up you get a free shirt uh you also get the ability to uh get 20 percent off some of the takeovers the blackhawks have a takeover coming up uh when the uh, coyotes come to town i think tickets are 65 dollars. i don't know what 20 percent off 65 is uh but there's like 10 tickets left and if you're a diehard i think it's 52 52 uh you can get those tickets for about 52 bucks uh but there's about 10 left too so uh this is a great time to become a member uh, especially for blackhawks fan looking to go out and experience a takeover uh it should be a fun time with mario jay and uh our guy greg 
and we're talking about maybe having a uh, happy hour for our crew. So yeah. stay tuned. If you are a uh, diehard, you get access to that. So stay tuned to our happy hour that we're going to have soon. And those are like about an hour Zoom sessions where basically it's a mailbag Monday, but it's on a Wednesday, and you'll be just be able to ask us anything. I yeah, mean, it's you'll just be hanging free out with us to see for your about face, an, an It'll hour. be wonderful. Yeah, drink, right. There's no drink some Goose Island. There's no rundown. We're just chat. You know, just hanging out. hanging out. Uh, It it should be fun. But let's jump into uh, the CHGO Die Hard Mailbag. And again, if you want to become a member and access the Discord, uh, it is available at allchgo.com when you sign up to be a Die Hard. Uh, Let's go to Midway Jimbo first. And uh, he's asking, what was your favorite panel? (laughs) Hashtag SoxFest this year. I guess it's supposedly supposed to be next week, right? So, I mean, what what are you expecting? What are you looking forward to uh, this upcoming SoxFest? Um. I already went to my Sox Fest. It was the 108 Fest. It was a great time on January 7th. I wish the White Sox would do it because I'm looking at all the rest of the things. You brought up the Houston Astros having their fest. Of course, the Cubs had their convention. I'm looking at all the players who come back, the older players from those teams. Like, we're missing one dog. We're missing uh, a Dan Pasqua. All these people. The, the Pope Don Paul could come back. And then all the current players. Wouldn't it be great to break bread and say what's up to Andrew Benintendi for the first time, for him to be introduced properly to the White Sox fans, also a former enemy, now a uh, member of the team, Mike Clevenger. It would be great to have some time to spend with him. I heard he's a very fun guy. His nickname is Sunshine, so of course, fun guy. So I'm sad the White Sox didn't do it. They didn't really give a specific reason why they're not doing it. I'm sad that they're running away from the fans because they deserve answers for what 2022 was. White Sox fans deserve answers. You could say whatever you want about the Cubs, but I saw Tom Ricketts taking tough questions, taking hard questions about Sammy Sosa, which is a prickly subject for most of the fans and him. So for next year, this has to come back. It has to come back because the fans were so disenchanted with the 2022 season. And then when you say we're not going to have your favorite thing during the winter – and have a chance to meet these players, have autographs, break bread, rub some elbows with some people that you otherwise wouldn't, it's very disturbing. It's very sad for these fans who pay money to not have an opportunity to have SoxFest. Well, then if they bring it back in 2024, uh, I got some possible panels uh, that they could we could try out. Uh, maybe, maybe these could work out. Uh, since we already talked about Aloy's defensive prowess, uh, we could do Aloy's defensive drills with special guest Tom Amansky. Um, See, what this great. He might be, might not be. I'm not sure. Great. Um, Crime Dog can make an appearance too. I was about to say, Fred McGriff's still around, so Amansky should still be around. One of the Hall of Fame? Nothing else is going on. Um, Ethan Katz will have a TED talk about uh, OO curveballs and why it's important to throw curveballs to start off an at bat. Um, A whole TED talk you got to sit through. Just on just that <laughs> forty minutes wow. on that alone, wow. anything cats could do it. Uh, how to run the bases one hundred and one with Daryl Boston, uh, you know, should be great for the kids. Uh, you know, uh, might get yourself into some uh, historic triple plays, uh, but you know, you should be able to. Learn. But at least he'll be able to run that straight. whistle there. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and, and run straight. No, uh, run no umps are going to tell him to put the whistle away during shock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Naren's going to have a calligraphy, calligraphy course um, and be selling pens for sure. for novices. I, is he? I don't think he's with the organization anymore, yeah, is but he? what is he doing? <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, he's, he's, I mean, hey, Jerry, come come around, you know, spend the weekend, hang out. There's no bad blood. Sure. You know, I mean, he, you know, Tony left because of health, and, you know, Jerry did a fine job, especially writing out those uh, yeah. those, those lineup cards. Absolutely. Um, Andrew Vaughn's going to have a session, uh, how not to be six feet tall and get away with it. 
because um, uh, White Sox Twitter is now ablaze that he's under six feet tall. Will you be a uh, featured speaker? I will be. Uh, right. But I, I don't claim to be six Ooh. feet tall. Uh, Andrew Vaughn does Thank claim you. to be Thank six you, feet Kevin. tall. I am a 5'9 <laughs> on a good day. Um, and then uh, I think the Clevenger Sessions, you mentioned it. He's a chill guy. You know, have him let him have a band. You know, 30-minute 30, 30 set for Clevenger? That sounds great. It'd be fun. This is yeah. the highlight of everything you've just read. It'll be yeah. good. Uh, it was the last idea, so yeah. we'll end on a high note. There you go. It should be, <laughs> nice. it should be hair, there you go. It should be a haircut <laughs> session with Mike Clevenger. Get rid of that. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, well, then maybe uh, Dylan can, uh, like, Dylan and Lance and Lucas could all grow out their beards, and then, like, they could trim, like, Dylan could go to the mustache at Soxfest. Uh, Clevenger can get all, you know, cleaned up. We clean them up for the, basically the uh, the season. Uh, I wonder if he has to be cleaned up. Clev? Yeah. No. Like, I wonder if the White Sox have, like, a neatness. Because I remember in 2006, I've brought this up, Joe Creedy and A.J. Pruszynski had to either sh- cut their hair or do something because it was, like, part of the standards the White Sox had at that time. Because after the championships, those dudes went hog wild. Joe Creedy's hair was down there. He had the uh, nice mullet going on for himself. And AJ has nice a, mullet. That's uh, kind of an oxymoron. Nice is mullet. it? <laughs> Mullet's coming back. <laughs> oh boy, is it? It yeah. is all over Australia. I tell you that. Much. Is it? Oh yeah. Oh god, it's everywhere. Um, yeah, this is from the AP in 2006. Uh, Mark Burley was stopped. Uh, told to stop doing belly flops and slides on the tarp during rain delays. AJ Przinsky and Joe Creedy were ordered to get a trim. I mean, I don't but know. you know, I think time time has Hopefully. made a difference. You've got you got Lance with the uh, with the beard. You've got you had recently Dallas Keuchel with the beard, obviously, uh, and even Jose Abreu had that whole little Captain rubber Lou band Albano. thing that he yeah. was doing there. So uh, I, I think I think uh, time might be changing those ways. Kenny Williams said back in the day, Jerry Reinsdorf asked me to tell them to get a haircut and look more presentable. So I asked them to get a haircut and look more presentable. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what at this point fourteen years removed. So. Uh, it's it's been a while. Uh, no, my hat is not a Noah Schultz reference, AJ. I don't know what the reference would be to Noah I don't Schultz. Know, Oswego maybe wears that hat. I don't know. Oswego begins with a no. Last I don't know. I maybe it's a. I don't know that color. I don't um, know. Let's go to. Oh yeah, a Kopech too. I mean, they had the ponytail gang. They had the ponytail gang. Hendricks, Kopech, and Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. Oh jeez. Uh, and hey, other Sean talks about Kopech's uh, hairs. Shows that are no rules. So let's go to his uh, mailbag question. He's a CHGO diehard. He had the he had the stash last. He had the horseshoe stash last year too. You remember? He did. Um, did Michael Kopech? It was uh, the uh, the Fu Manchu. Uh, with the minor league deals, the Sox are giving to former MLBers. Uh, I'm assuming the outfield MLBers. Why not pick up another catcher? That position seems to be thin in the minors. And you talked about it too. If Yasmani might not be able to give four to five days catching, and Sebi might need to see more of the load, he might not see that great of success offensively uh, like he did in 2022. Sebi, uh, we did see Carlos Perez for a little bit um, last year near the end of the season. He's some depth, but are you surprised the White Sox haven't addressed catching a little bit more? I don't know if I'd say surprised, but I definitely think it's something that they probably, you know, would be well served to look into. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing against Sebi Zavala, who had a, a fine offensive season last year as the backup catcher for the most part. Obviously, Reese McGuire uh, had that role for the first half of the season. Uh, and then he was traded at the trade deadline for Jake Diekman, of course. Um, but again, I, I would just think that maybe some veteran presence, some veteran experience, uh, a little bit more certainty might benefit the White Sox at that number two catcher position, given the question marks that exist about what Yasmani Grandel can handle in terms of a workload. But 
if if they're confident in Sebi Zavala, then that seems to be the way to go. Uh, they think that's going to be what they'll do, then that's what they'll do. I will say this, though, I would agree. Why not throw a few minor league deals uh, uh, the way of some veteran catchers? Bring them to spring training like you did Jonathan Lucroy a few years ago and make sure that Sebi Zavala is still that guy who you saw for about half of a season last year. Make sure that uh, that he can do that going forward. Or do you want a little bit more defensive, especially certainty, back there behind Grandal on the depth chart? Well, you bring up defensive certainty. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Herb. I just okay. realized this. A guy that I really wanted the White Sox to sign last offseason because uh, there were still kind of question marks at the backup catcher position. Uh, Sevy ended up winning the position after McCann left. Um, who was the backup after McCann? Well, you're talking about Zach Collins, who was traded for Reese McGuire uh, right before opening day. Forgot about the Collins McGuire Deakman connection. Yes. And he's still um, out there? Zach Collins? Yeah. Probably. Get him. him. <laughs> get him back. Um, the guy I wanted, though, that offseason was Roberto Perez, former uh, Cleveland catcher, then signed with Pittsburgh. In the 23 games he played with Pittsburgh, a 98 OPS plus. He's known for his glove. Yeah. Uh, had a season ending hamstring surgery. I don't know if teams are worried about his health, but. He's still a free agent, and that's a guy that has major league experience, has caught a World Series staff, they didn't win the World Series, but um, in 2016 was a part of that team. I'd be really excited if they added Roberto Perez. There's still options out there, even though catcher's pretty thin. Like, that would be the only option I see, according to Spot Track. Like, the only players available for these minor league deals are Sandy Leone, P.J. Higgins, Austin Romine, you know. Gary Sanchez is still out there. I'm good. Um, minor <laughs> league deals. He's probably not signing a minor league deal. He's probably signing a major league. He's the starting catcher for what? Uh, Dominican Republic? Isn't he? I think that that tracks. I think so. Or it might be uh, Venezuela. PJ so, Higgins can play a little right field for you, too. I'm good. DR. <laughs> We're good. We're good. I saw PJ Higgins enough, and I'm really good. So, yeah, it doesn't hurt to sign these guys. And like Vinny said, I thought Jonathan Lucroy was playing awesome catching. In I thought he training. was winning that job easily. All spring, I, I thought he was and, winning that and job. When he got, I thought he was going to be healthy. When he got DFA, <laughs> I was or got cut. I was like, "What are we doing?" They just have a lot of faith in Zach Collins, apparently. But we saw how that went out. But yeah, if Jonathan Lucroy is still out there, Jonathan, come on through. That would be a great do uh, over. Jonathan Lucroy. You want a Jonathan Lucroy do over? Yeah, I know. Yeah, what? I know he hasn't played in a minute, but still, like, is he not better than what Sebi brought? Or Carlos Perez can bring, or any of these Sandy Leones can bring. He, he did retire. <laughs> so? Um, <laughs> uh, that does seem to be a bit of a hurdle Come towards the reunion. And he, he, he retired August 2nd, 2022. Uh, so he was a, a free agent all of last offseason, or all of last season, mm. and uh, I guess uh, never found a team or a home. Uh, yeah, I don't know about Jonathan Lucroy. I'm for it. Uh, I thought he was going to win that job, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Gary might be a little bit too out of price range. Uh, Roberto Perez would make sense to me. Uh, two-time Gold Glove winner uh, was a part of that 2016 team. He's free though. Um, huh? He's free. He's uh, yeah, a free agent. Yeah, he he signed. Uh, he's a free agent right now, according to MLB.com and Baseball Reference. So, mm. um, I think he signed only a one-year deal for five million. I, and I think that's probably the big thing is, you know, he's had a good season, but he's coming off an injury. So I think it's tough to probably prove your worth. If the Sox though give him. Three, four million, you know, a little bit of a pay cut from last year. I, I think they'd probably be competitive, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the market is for Roberto Perez. I shouldn't probably act like I do. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the final one <laughs> in Ian Robo. Uh, I do, uh, an, uh, and I love Ian because he's from across the pond. I do another one to ponder on, Sean, which I think is I will ask you a question. 
I think uh, you just left out the word have. Oh, okay. I do uh, have at, another one. After the TLR disaster, just how much of an influence did Jerry have on hirings? Is this something that we could say is 100% Rick? I'll say no, just because we know that they met with Kenny and Jerry and Chris Getz, and it was uh, it seemed to be a White Sox hiring, but it seemed like Rick Hahn led this thing 100% and was very proud of his hire. Uh, I mean, I'll review. I, I I saw that question, and obviously in preparation for answering it, I reviewed what was said uh, on the day Pedro Grafol was introduced, and Rick ran down kind of what the process was, and it sounds like those first-round interviews were him, Jeremy Haber, Chris Getz, a couple of the other higher-ups in the front office before they went to second-round interviews, which, of course, included Kenny Williams, and then it wasn't until those final interviews, at least according to what Rick said, that, that Jerry Reinsdorf was uh, involved as well, obviously. He's the team owner. He's going to make the hire of his team's manager, so that makes sense. But uh, that was the description from Rick Hahn. I think uh, you can say with much certainty that it went quite differently this time around than it did uh, the hiring cycle prior, uh, and, and there were just more more people considered. I think he said, what, there were about eight eight people that they, were, uh, that they interviewed yeah. for the job. I think uh, you're just looking at a greater number, a greater volume of candidates, a greater volume of interviews uh, before they even got to Jerry Reinsdorf, who obviously has that final say. So uh, a, a different process this time around, I think you can be sure. Yeah, all you need to see is the grin from ear to ear from Rick Hahn, that whole press conference. He was happy because he got his guy, the guy he targeted, and now they can move forward with somebody who's competent at the job and the guy that he hired. You could tell that he was uh, going through some things when uh, they hired Tony LaRusa that day. Who friends that, that uh, zoom I had to sit through and probably Vinny. I was like, man, this is, this is Rick Hahn's worst day on the job ever. He, and he did not, you know how you say, Hey, go make, put on a good face. Nope. Rick was showing you exactly how he felt, felt that day about that hiring. I was like, I don't blame you too much, Rick. This one, he was like, yeah, that's my hiring. And you saw the smile. Um, I can't find the tweet with all of the uh, people that he interviewed. Oh, here it is. Uh, Rick Hahn mentioned the club interviewed eight people from seven clubs. Uh, and we tried to figure out uh, what the, the seven were or the eight were. Um, yeah, so it seemed like eight candidates. And I think it got down well, I think to like the seven, three. If, if the White Sox are one of the seven clubs, we Cairo. know they interviewed Miguel Cairo and Ozzie Guillen. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and that's too, like... Just looking at or Ozzy maybe counts as being someone who's not from a club. That could also be the case as right. well. Yeah, um, I think though, like the point, just like it seemed like Robin was a Jerry hire. That it seemed like Ricky was, you know, more of again like an organization hire, and then Tony was more of a Jerry hire, and then it seemed like it went back to the organization. Like I, I don't know. Like it doesn't. I don't think Jerry had that much of a say or that that much of a a power. Uh, dynamic to play and this hopefully time around. he allowed his baseball people which it looks like to do their jobs mm-hmm. and he saw the it seems like baseball people are excited too oh yeah and it seems like doing a favor or uh, re- fixing a wrong he probably understood like yeah that didn't work out too tough not just that Tony had a um, medical thing that the actual on-field product for 2022 wasn't working so allowing his baseball people to make baseball moves smart move by Jerry uh, an interesting news coming out of L.A. too. Uh, Artie Moreno and the Angels, the Moreno family, are ending the exploratory process to sell the team and will continue ownership throughout the 2023 season 
and beyond. So if you were hoping that Shohei Otani might get traded or possibly become a free agent, uh, it seems like the Morenos at least uh, will want to be keeping the team and keeping the team, uh, I guess, in L.A., uh, and so handing out gigantic contracts is what they do. Yes, so, it is. Uh, him getting half a billion dollars might not be uh, out of the question for him to remain an angel. All right, we'll give you three hundred fifty million dollars, and we will name it the Los Angeles Otanis. You'll never, you, go, you'll, you'll never play in the playoffs the ever, but you will be well compensated. Uh, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, he's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckermanwell23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Um, we will be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Uh, and... Make sure that you stay tuned uh, and, and follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Thank you to Kevin Wells for producing the show today, and we will be back tomorrow. Go Sox.